Today is February 12th, and the boys from the back pocket are back. Marketing interns, I know you're doing well. Declan Brown, how are you doing? Oh, I am phenomenal. Uh, I think it's the correct adjective for today. I'm ready to get after the week, and you know, ready to get after this episode. We have one hell of an episode. Excuse my language there. Um, we're going to start with our average quality as always. We're going to get into a, a little new segment that we got for you guys. It's uh, going to be a nice. It's going to be a nice little segment for you. And then we're going to get to your pops, Andrew and, or uh, John and Sarah, one of our leading marketing interns. What, what do you have to say about it? Uh, the interview is phenomenal. You know, my dad. Be prepared. He goes on tangents. Uh, I love him, and that's why I love him because he know he's got away with words, and he's willing to talk a year off. Um, it's a little bit longer. Uh, than a normal pod, than a normal interview, and I, I know you guys will enjoy it and you will appreciate it because um, we sure did. Yeah, and make sure you know when whatever you're doing uh, during that interview, just make sure your ears are open and you're listening. And you, I know sometimes that's tough, um, or it maybe sounds stupid, like hey, listen to our podcast. But mm-hmm. it's one thing to say, hey, listen to our podcast, and hey, really listen to our pod this interview for sure because I know it will enhance. Whatever you're doing. Yeah. That's the goal of uh, what we're trying to yeah. put out. Just live in the moment. Yes. Um, and that kind of goes with our mission statement and our average quality, okay. the combination of the two. So this week, our average quality um, is developing our mission statement for our website. So we have a segment on, um, on our website, a drop-down menu. You click on the why, um, why we do what we do. And uh, developing this mission statement could be considered our average quality yeah. because we know what we, we want out of this podcast, but putting it in exact words in one sentence is very difficult. Yeah, I would say you and I live out our mission statement every single day of the week. Um, We embody that statement. We are that statement. What's hard, like you said, is just literally writing it down. Like, by no means are you and I English majors, by any means, right? We're, I'm an engineer, you're a business guy. But the whole point is, like, we got to put something down that really embodies us. And it took quite some time. We spent... Uh, 20 minutes? 20 minutes. uh, Probably um, you and me going back and forth, but the development of this mission statement has been been 12 months. Yeah. And you, it was just funny when we were writing it down like the first time, it was like uh, we wanted golden nuggets in there and then we wanted like uh, the common, the average person or the average story, not so average, or like... The common people, common stories, and then at the end of the day, not so common or mm-hmm. something. Like, came up with like a million of them, but what we ended on is, uh, Andrew, you want to give our mission statement? Sure. So if you go on the website, uh, yourbackpockets.com, and you go to the Y tab on the About portion, um, our mission is bringing life and appreciation to common everyday people, uncovering who they are through talking story uh, led by two wildly average co-hosts. An average podcast for the average listener. Yeah. Simple as that. I mean, it's a it's a great tagline. I love it. I think it's great. I don't know if the sentence structure is up to date or up to par to mm-hmm. uh, an English standard. However, uh, it's average enough to uh, to our to our standards. Yeah. We like it. Uh, I'm reading through it right now. I realized a few typos. Uh oh. What's um, going on? Lead. It's a lead. Story led by story lead by two, and it needs to be led by. No, that that's how you spell lead. Lead. L e a d is lead. Oh, right. Um, you know, that's, that's something I'll have to research further. I think, um, uh-huh. everyday people uncovering who they are through talking story led by two wildly average coasts. Yeah. I think lead is spelled L E A D. Someone okay. can confirm this for us, please. Uh, please reach out. Let us know what you think about our mission. You know, we're always looking for feedback and we're always looking for, um, ways to improve. 
Anyways, what the most interesting part uh, that I found in that uh, average quality is the talking story portion. You don't hear people say talking story all the time, correct? That is correct. Um, and we entered this little phrase, little um, two-word segment into our mission statement um, through what I kind of learned in Hawaii um, about the Hawaiian culture, the Aloha spirit, as I mentioned in a past podcast. Um, they really appreciate your presence, and they just they want to talk story with you, whether it's before or after a meeting, um, an engagement, whatever your interaction is. They want to appreciate who you are, so they're going to give you that as much time to find out who you are, and through that, you're talking story. You're um, emulating who you are through conversation, and that portion of what I brought learned in Hawaii, I, I realized, is kind of what we value in the back pocket. We want to, um, and you want, we want you to appreciate our conversation and the conversation with our guests. Yeah. Through talking story. Yeah, and I think that's a a much different um, aspect or a different wording than telling a story. Um, so telling a story is, you know, there's a lot of narrative to it, right? Where talking story is more of a conversation that has a story within it, correct? Yes. Okay. So talking story is the idea of you having a mutual interaction between the people in the room versus telling a story is you verbalizing something and the people around you list just simply listening. Listening. Gotcha. Um, it's kind of like a give and take more. Yeah. And so we're talking story. Our marketing interns are listening to that story and they're enjoying that story. We hope. Um, so, you know, with that said, we have a few, we have our first uh, story segment or actually, no, this is more of, of a different, it's a new segment. That's what it is. This is a new segment that we first introduced actually in this interview with my Spoiler. father. Spoiler alert. Uh, listen to the full length of the podcast because this is may be how we in, end interviews now. Yeah. We have our bar story. We have, um, what was the other Curbside thing? stories. Curbside stories. Um, we just tell stories a lot. We also talk story a lot. Um, but this one is uh, something that I came up with not too long ago. The question that we ask is, what is something that made you who you are today? Um, whether that be a story, a specific event. A pivotal moment. A pivotal moment, uh, a climax. We don't. We want to know. Um, so what Andrew and I are going to do is kind of give a glimpse into uh, a story that, ha- that happened to us that makes us who we are today. Um, I took this on with a sort of a podcast twist. So the personality I have today is a very, how would you describe it? I don't want to boast here. Um, You love bringing light and life to a situation um, through your um, qualities. And that quality is probably happy, goofy, in the moment, excited, a lot of energy, those sure. those and, type of words, okay. right? And so the one that sticks out was goofy for sure. Um, so when I was in middle school, um, I got to pull up a picture of like what I looked like in middle school because I was just like, if I could paint a picture for you guys, I was roughly 5'10". I was 130 pounds. Uh, I was had like that long Justin Bieber haircut. I had braces. And uh, I... What... And so that's just what I looked like. I looked like a nerd. I was just like just a weird looking dude. Whatever, right? Um, but a, a constant theme throughout middle school, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. So I was 12 or uh, 11 to 13 years old. I don't really know. That was the age range. Um, the cool th- or uh, what I always kind of felt myself doing was trying to fit in with everyone. I'm trying to, you know, be someone who I wasn't really. And my friends really reflected that. 
So in you don't really know. You're not as experienced in um, middle school, and so I I was you know very. Uh, I just always wanted to be, like, the cool guy. Like, I always kind of strove to try and be, like, a popular guy. But I okay. wasn't at all. Yeah, this wasn't your... Tr- you're trying to be someone you weren't. Yeah. And so, constantly, just 7th and 8th grade specifically, just going to, like, a public middle school and, like, being in a group of, like, a 1,000 people, I'm always trying to make myself look different than, and try and look cooler than everybody. Yeah. And so, I always act. You want to be hurt. Right. I want to be hurt. And so, I did a bunch of rash things that were just kind of stupid. Um, as far as like getting in trouble with teachers, not really applying myself in school, you know, doing whatever. Uh, what I decided when I went to high school, my freshman year, um, I went to an all boys Catholic school, Regis Jesuit high school, go Raiders. I decided that I did not care what anybody else thought. I decided that I was just going to be my own self and I wasn't going to care about what anybody else thought. And so I've really just take from that point on, I've really just taken on whatever, whatever I kind of felt was right and whatever I wanted to say and whatever I wanted to do was what I ended up doing. And I didn't really care what anybody else thought. And I thought, and I think the judgment aspect of all of it was really what shaped me was not worrying about, you know, saying something or enjoying something that not everyone else was like, or having an uncommon opinion, but, um, you know, still saying that and voicing your opinion. Um, so I think, just with who I am now, I'm a naturally goofy person. Like I think things are funny that other people don't think are funny Mm -hmm. or I'll say things that everyone's like, that makes no sense. But at the end of the day, like that's truly who I am. Like I embody just being a goofy and funny guy. And so the way I became that, I was never really that in middle school. And I only became that because I decided one day going in, starting fresh at a new school freshman year was just to be myself and just to, see what happens. And that's kind of where I'm at today. And that's why I am the goofy podcaster that you are listening to currently. Dude, that's pretty awesome. I mean, having that self-awareness um, is the level to know that about yourself and want to show, share that with other people. Right on, man. Yeah. And it also kind of helps that I went to an all-guys school. So I, there was really no one to impress but my other goofy friends mm-hmm. at the school. So I think that had a lot to do with it as well. But awesome. nonetheless. Um <clears throat> A pivotal moment for me would probably be um, dating back to my sophomore year in high school football season. I mean, football is who I am, how I was brought up. Um, the GoPro is now dead. We um, try to put forward R. R. the best GoPro. Effort, but the GoPro If we had an failed. intern, again, this is another shameless plug. If yeah. we had an intern, he would have uh, probably uh, charged it before he came to the podcast studio to help record. Yes. Um, so then that wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. But, hey. It's all right. We we'll, could use an intern. We'll wait yeah. patiently. Again, we continue to reiterate we're looking for interns, so please reach out to us, um, and we'll get back to you, and you probably will be hired. So just uh, reach out to us. Um, my pivotal moment. Uh, back to that. Sophomore year football. Football's life. Football's life. And I... Um, fourth game of the season, I was dealing with some like under the weather kind of flu, something like that. I thought, um, kind of just fought through it. It was, um, I'm going to paint the picture for you. Uh, fourth down, fourth and six on the opponent's 20 yard line. Um, we are up, we are down by four points. The red zone. In the red zone, uh, fourth quarter, I think minute 20 left. Gotcha. And, um, my quarterback looks at me, taps his helmet, which is an auto ball to a slant, um, and I'm sitting in the slot. I run a slant over the middle. He kind of um, um, threw it high, threw it high, and I go up 
fully extended, catch the ball, and my rib cage is not protected anymore, and someone kind of just gets right underneath my ribs, smacks me, and delivers me into the ground. And I just have the worst pain in my life, and I'm hit, sitting there cradle, holding the ball. Um, so you caught it? I caught it first Gritty. down. Gritty. Yeah, but I wouldn't let go of the football, and the ref came up to me and was like, "Want to get the football?" I was like, "I can't move. I don't want to like. I don't want to get out of this position. I'm in a little ball, um, curled up." And um, through all in all, I ended up uh, after a week of not knowing. They, I was diagnosed for with bruised ribs, and I went through a week of practice, kind of on the sideline. Nothing. Symptoms didn't get any better. Went to the doctor, MRI, and that. That's when I found out I shattered my spleen catching that football you ruptured your spleen i end up just shattering it okay is there a difference there is a difference okay. rupturing is when the membrane collapses shattering is when this the spleen um is just like is sh- literally shattered inside the membrane but the membrane stays it's still intact it's still intact gotcha. so if i would have ruptured i would have needed to go to the hospital immediately okay but since i only shattered it it was able to reheal itself during that process okay and nice. i didn't need to go to the doctor but bruised kidneys and then i had mono as well uh, and internal bleeding so, like, this whole process of, like, figuring that out um, and then the recovery um, of just a day-by-day process of, like, getting better is where I think I have truly learned the will and the preparation it takes to um, get where you want to go. To So my mission from then on was to get back on the football field, and that was a, just a one-step-at-a-time mentality. Yeah. And I think that's crossed over to the back pocket, to finding a job, to having a girlfriend, to um, just about anything in life. Just literally living in the moment with the idea of continuing to push forward in your process. One step at a time. One step at a time. Not, and you weren't necessarily, you were, the result was what was driving you the whole time was mm-hmm. to get back on the football field. But the process in which you had to you know, go through the pains day in and day out, that was really what you focused on. Yes. Okay, so you consider yourself a process guy. Absolutely. Okay, love the process. Love, love the process. Way. And with that being said... You know who else loves the process? Uh, I don't know who. John and Sarah. Well, I know who. I just said that so you could say it. Good setup. I think I knocked that one out of yeah, the park. Home run. Home run. Um, this is, like we mentioned before, this is a phenomenal interview. Um, he will tell you about his process that he went through um, and leaving college and entering the world of the workforce and um, what has made him to the man he is today, how he views podcasts. It was just kind of, a, it was an awesome interview. It was, yeah, else? there were just a lot of quinky dinks in there. Just mm-hmm. a lot of different topics, conversation, a lot of different uh, cool things, a lot of good feedback. Um, and yeah, he just hit it out of the park. The funniest thing, I think, is we were just freezing in this room. It was like negative four outside, and we were just in the podcast, in the Washington, you know. With doesn't Winter winter beanies winter, on. Yeah, we're all uh, ball caps on, or ball hats, and uh, just absolutely freezing. And uh, we got it done. It was good. He, uh, Mr. and Sarah claims he sweats uh, during the interview, which is uh, bananas. So let's go ahead and check that out. Today's guest is a reoccurring guest. You all know him from the parent podcast, my parent podcast. Um, he is one of our favorites. If we were numbers guys, he would be our leading number one marketing intern. He's always got great input. He's always got great feedback. So today, let's welcome John and Sarah. How are you doing today, Dad? Good morning. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Roll Toms. I'm doing great. I think I might be that number one marketing intern by default, but uh, I appreciate the uh, the accolades. Yeah, we, we represent, um, we, and we have to give respect when credit is due. 
absolutely. So, when, like Andrew said, we're not numbers guys by any by any means at all. And so we kind of just dish out awards where we see fit. And uh, we definitely think you're our number one marquee intern based on feedback. So thank you for that. Um, and, you know, we've already asked you, you know, what's your average quality. And you, you've really soaked that in. You've really fit that mold of just being the average guy. So we're are we going to ask him an average quality or should we just get on and just get right into what we want to get into? I think we can. I think we can just get in right right into the uh, the interview. I think um, let's. It's good to mention that he's. We have him here live, maybe the last time in uh, the St. Paul region as a St. Thomas student. Yeah. Um, he's here for the banquet, the senior banquet. Um, there really is no um, event, game, um, reason reason to, be out to come up here besides good. myself and my older brother are here in the Twin Cities. Um, and then eventually your graduation. My graduation, yeah, yes. probably next time. Yep. And that will be the time I will be no longer a St. Thomas student. So maybe right. in, in May would be the last time. You'll be an alum because mm-hmm. you were up here um, ten times in the in the fall. Yeah, close yeah. to it probably. Made it to every game. <laughs> Made it to every game, and we so there was like away games, but they're still in the Twin Cities area. Um, one Wisconsin game. I'll tell you, I you know. Having over the four years, having me the opportunity to come here and you know visit with you and see the Tommy's play and enjoy the campus and so forth. Um, when it was over this fall, um, I definitely had some withdrawals. I mean, I, I felt I was I was jonesing for you know a little St. Paul Minneapolis uh, visits, and uh, so it was exciting to get back up here after the after the new year and uh, be a part of your guys' uh, senior banquet, which was which was really awesome. It was a great event. I also like to make note that when he did come up here in the Twin Cities, marketing interns lock in on this statement, he would come up after a high school game where he'd watch his brother coach um, in the Chicago area. So he'd, he'd catch high school football on Friday, and then he'd come up here and watch his son play on um, Saturday, and then he'd fly as a season ticket holder to Pittsburgh and see the Steelers play on Sunday. And the ultimate football guy. The trifecta. Yeah, the yeah. ultimate trifecta football guy. It really is the perfect weekend. Mm-hmm. If you're a football lover, it's the perfect weekend. Uh, I did that three times this year. I actually made six of the uh, regular season home games uh, and one playoff game. So I was I was uh, at Heinz Field seven times this season, which was uh, I put my money where my mouth is. I'm a fan. Fan is short for fanatic. I think I'm probably a little fanatic with the Steelers. God rest their soul. The 2017 season is over, but uh, today's the Super Bowl, and uh, they're sitting at home watching. Unfortunately, yeah, it's a bummer. But what we had mentioned previously, Andrew, you had a great segue for us, is, you know, you you don't have too many other reasons to be up here anymore. We're not playing football anymore. We're getting ready to graduate in May here. Uh, we're in, quote-unquote, we're going into the real world now. And uh, we're Andrew and I are quite nervous, I think. We're also very excited. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot, a lot of good things that come along with that. Um, I guess, to begin, um, what was that uh, transition like for you when you were graduating from Cornell? Mm-hmm. And uh, going out into the real world, what mm-hmm. were your thoughts? What were your feelings? You know, I was, I was, I was very ready to finish that journey in my life. Um, I had a great four years. I graduated on time, which I was proud of, and I was ready. You know, I think at times, um, you know, at light in life, you know, it's time to move on. Um, I think, uh, you know, what is going to be your life's work, and how you're going to get into that. When I left Cornell, I was ready. So I transitioned really pretty smoothly. I, I honestly, um, I went to work immediately. I graduated on a Sunday and at the end of May, and I was working the following Sunday, the beginning of June, yeah. into my career. And I have never stopped working since that time. 
So wasn't there a quick period you had to go home to get the money? That one week. The one week you went home. So from that Sunday that I graduated to the Sunday that I started, I went home and uh, I painted a house with my brother, the same brother that's the uh, uh, high school football coach th- these days, and uh, I made a thousand dollars. I needed that cash. Uh, so I could put down a deposit for uh, um, an apartment. I was yeah. moving to Atlanta. So I went from uh, upstate New York, Ithaca, to Chicago, painted a house with my brother, who was a professional painter, and I just helped him and you know, was able to make a little stipend. And then, uh, and then I drove, my mom drove me down to Atlanta, um, and uh, I had enough money for a deposit. Uh, I, I got a little bit of a signing bonus when I when I signed on with um, I I started out of school with uh, the Roots Carlton Hotel Company and they were their home base at that time was in Atlanta and they had two hotels in Atlanta and I was hired a direct placement position um, to run the three meal restaurant at the Ritz Carlton downtown Atlanta um, and uh, so you know I I I transitioned immediately like I didn't blink you know mm-hmm. one week painting a house and making some money and, and you know, you're planning the trip down and so forth I. I didn't blink, and uh, there was no rest for the weary. And I, I look back on that a lot and think, you know, why was I in such a rush? And I think it was because I just was ready. I was ready to start making a living. I was ready to work, um, and I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know how I was going to get there. So I took, I took the. I, I wanted to be with the Ritz Carlton. I, I was enamored with that brand. Um, that brand to me stood for the highest level of service, hospitality, uh, culinary focus, um, in the, in the world in terms of, you know, um, my, my, my industry. F and B. F and B. Food and beverage. Food and beverage. For people I don't know. So I was enamored. I did everything I could to get that job. And they were not coming on campus to interview. Cornell, one of the things they pride themselves on, the hotel school is, you know, they, they provide you with a lot of opportunities to network and, and, and get a job. Upon graduation, if you want a job, there's a job available. And a ton of companies come and they interview on campus. Ritz-Carlton was not one of those companies, and I was really disappointed. And um, I must have, I sent out 100 resumes. Um, there were a couple of Cornell graduates that were working at Ritz-Carlton, mm-hmm. so I had their contacts. They never got back to me. The president of the company, the president of the Ritz-Carlton Hotel Company, was a Cornell grad. He never got back to me. All dead ends, dead ends, dead ends. It turns out... Um, you know, I played football at Cornell. The secretary of the head coach at Cornell, her brother-in-law, was a catering director at the Ritz-Carlton downtown. And she says, hey, why don't you give me your resume and I'll send it to Tom Walters. Um, and uh, Tom got back to me like in three days. He had no tie to me, to the school, except yeah. for his Boy, sister-in-law. Sister-in-law, okay. And... Uh, he took the resume. He wasn't going to hire me, but he got it in the right hands of the people that were in charge of hiring. And uh, so I was able to work that connection. It, it took me it took me the better part of probably seven or eight months um, to get that interview. And they basically said, we'll fly you down from New York City. Um, so I had to get myself from Ithaca, which is four hours away. It's upstate New York. I had to get myself to New York City to the airport. JFK. Um, to fly down to Atlanta because they were only going to pay for the leg from JFK to uh, to Atlanta, uh, Hartsfield. And uh, I remember that trip. I, I got on a bus out of Ithaca, um, went into Manhattan. I'd been in Manhattan a couple of times, but I certainly was not an expert and I didn't, didn't know my way around. I had to get to the Port Authority. I came up in the Port Authority and I had to get to the public transportation to get me to the airport. Right. And uh, it was, you know, it was at, at that age, it was, it was quite a journey. Um, 
you oh, know, yeah. probably three or four exchanges between buses and trains and so forth. Yeah, Uber uh, wasn't a thing back no, then. No Uber. You know, I didn't have any money. And uh, and I, I don't know how much I shared with my parents at the time, but I was just hell-bent on getting any position I could, my foot in the door with the Ritz-Carlton Hotel cool. Company. Yeah. So it ended up they had a job, and they made an offer, and there was a starting date, and that's probably another reason why... You know, I didn't, waste, I didn't waste. I didn't wait. I didn't waste any time. I didn't feel like saying to him, "Hey, could we maybe wait a couple of months and then I'll." You know, it was it was go time. And, and that's uh, a good point for us right now. When we get when you are in the works of creating your own uh, contract with them, right? That's kind of your gig because you have the job per se, and you're writing down the requirements. Um, yeah, so I already have an offer that, um, and then he they just asked me what my start date was. And I just told them a week after I graduate. So I'm doing pretty much the same thing. We graduate like May 19th, and I start the first one of the first days of June. Yeah, so. you're taking the end of the month off, and then good night. Yeah, and I'm just gonna hit it head steam because, like you said, I I'm just kind of like itching to just get to that point. And I've kind of that's been a tradition for me, kind of throughout. Every time I end school, I just work the very next week just to maximize my time. And what I found doing that is. Uh, you know, it feels kind of weird at first because no one else is doing it, but then by the time you're three weeks into it and everyone else is just starting again, then you get that sort of feeling like, oh, like now everyone else is doing it. Now I under- like understand why I did what I did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you fit the glove, you, you um, kind of play into your role a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, one question for you. <clears throat> when you made that jump right away and just hell-bent on getting to Ritz-Carlton, you get to Ritz-Carlton, it's your first day, was there, and maybe even your first week, your first month, was, what was like that feeling? What was the, were, did you have any kind of shocks that came to you right away that you weren't prepared for? Anything that was kind of thrown in your way that kind of, you know, made you think a little bit? Yeah. You know, so I was talking about getting that deposit for an apartment. So, um, I, I don't know why I did it this way, but I had, I knew a couple of people that lived in Atlanta and before I got there, I asked them to rent me an apartment sight unseen and they were willing to do it. Like, I think about that now, and I'm like, you know, because I didn't have any, I, I, I didn't know where I was going to stay if I didn't do it that way. Like, I didn't see that there were other options. I said, if I get down there and I don't have a place to stay, what am I going to do? I can't stay in the hotel. Well, I could have probably, I probably could have talked if I had a little more balls at that point. I could have said to my boss, hey, can you put me up for a week while I'm looking for an apartment? Yeah, but I didn't, wanna, I didn't want to start that way in my employment. I, I yeah. wanted to have it all done myself. Mm-hmm. And um, so I the asked Internet's him, not a big thing. There was no. There was no Airbnb. There was none. There was none internet. There was nothing. There was no <laughs> Airbnb. There was no internet. You couldn't, re- you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I, asked think, these, I asked these guys, I said, hey, I just need to be on the train line in Atlanta. If you could find me an apartment, they they knew the the city like the back of their hand, and uh, they th- found me an apartment. Yeah. And they they sent me the information um, by fax. I signed yeah. my lease by fax, sent it back. So I and I knew I needed a thousand dollars for the down payment, the mm-hmm. deposit, and um, so I painted the house. So um, throwing me for a loop, I move into this place sight unseen. It was okay, but man, I think about it now, and it's like. I would have never picked that myself. Um, it was close to the train, but it was um, a ten-minute walk, and you know I had to wear a suit. So in, 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 the, in, the, middle, in the middle of summer in Atlanta, I'm walking Hot from Atlanta. my apartment, yeah, my apartment to the to the train, and I'm sweating. 
I sweat when I'm guys. I'm sweating up here in this freezing freaking room that we're in right now. It's freezing here, but I'm sweating. You know, okay. and so you can imagine in a suit trying to get to work, and so threw me for a loop. It was like okay, really not the right location, really not the right apartment, um, and um, you know, I, I was I and I and I was trying to do a good job at work. So all this other stuff I really didn't want to have to bother with. I was trying to just focus on the job. And, uh, and since I didn't really know anybody down there, that's, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to worry about anything but that, except for all these little peripheral things like an apartment and the transportation and so forth. And, uh, so I realized at that point that I needed a car and I needed a different apartment. I, I, this, this wasn't going to work. How long did um, you stay in that? So did you make the switch like right away then? Yeah. So I signed a, I signed a year lease, uh, but I went in, um, three months after I lived, I lived there for three months, but I went in and told her that I got transferred so I, I, I sort of, you know, Fib. fudged some stuff. I was getting promoted at the time, so I, fig- I, I felt like I could. So they, You're getting they moved transferred. I, I, I just oh. said it was a transfer. Transferred yeah. up. And uh, <laughs> so she actually, she, she let me out of the lease. She okay. said, as long as we can find somebody, you know, and it was a pretty, you know, popular area. Mm. Um, and she, they, they let me out of the lease after, after I think I had to say that one, one more month. And I moved in with some buddies from work that had um, an extra uh, room in their house. Much better. Yeah, I was. I, I lived uh, right down from the governor's mansion uh, mm. in in Atlanta, on uh, on, on West Pe- uh, West Paces Ferry, and um, and I and I bought a car. One of the roommates' dad was a car salesman. Perfect. And um, he arranged. I, I bought a uh, Honda Civic for like five thousand dollars, which I didn't have. Went into the general manager of the hotels, and I asked him if he could give me a an advance on my salary so I could buy a car. And he said, "Yeah, we don't, we don't do that. Um, I'll help you. I'll help you get a loan." He co-signed, co-signed a loan, for a loan for me. Nice. He picked up the, at, at that point. I'm sitting in his office. I asked him for the advance. He tells me they don't do that. He says, "Hold on a second. Picks up the phone, calls the bank, and gets me an appointment. And uh, the next day, I'm in there, and he co-signed for me for a five thousand dollar loan. Three months you've been working there. I'd been working there for three months. Ed Staros, um, mom. Babysat his kids. Um, she. That's where I met my wife. That's where I met you my wife. You, you two weren't a thing yet. We were not a thing. No, she was a couple years out of there. You guys know that story. You guys know that story. Our marketing interns know that story. They do. Yeah. They do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took me a while to, 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 to crack that. So um, that's another question I have. So we ha- we are on a point of moving out of our living arrangements right now and looking for new arrangements. Advice on What's studio apartment solo you had that for a few months out of, um, and you're, you were yeah. probably, there's probably some pros and cons to that. And then going back to roommates, um, there's probably pros and cons to that. How did, did were you, did you feel happier? Did you feel more yeah. whole I, with stick, roommates or yeah. by yourself? I, I recommend sticking with roommates for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. Okay. Have roommates for as long as you can. There'll be a time in your life where roommates will not make sense anymore. Yeah. But right now it makes sense. And I think there is so much that comes out of, you know, that, and, and being able to transition from college where roommates are a big deal into the real world, you know, it, it, they might not be as a big, big of a deal, but keep that alive. Um, and I think that, um, from a, um, an expense standpoint, you know, it's, it's the smartest thing to do. And I just think from the camaraderie and, you know, trying to, this next stage for you guys, um, it's tricky, it's complicated, but at the same time, you know, if you can do things in your life that you that you really like or are used to, like a roommate, um, it will help that transition. It will help remove some of the complexity and yeah, absolutely. and uh, and and make it a little bit easier. Mm-hmm. So you're saying hold, kind of hold on to things that were are normal in our lives now, and just have that apply to the next stage 
at least to ease the transition. Right, the that'll help normalize that piece of it. And I think for you guys, your experience here at, at UST has been really powerful because of the people that you've met, because of the roommates that you have. And I think that um, there's there's a lot of, uh, you know, you can use that as a, a dynamic way to transition to the next phase, um, keeping that keeping that alive. Mm-hmm. And talking about transition to the next phase, uh, we're transitioning to season two of the podcast. And as we mentioned at the beginning, you're one of the lead marketing interns. You've listened to just about everyone, if not all, of our podcasts. Um, and coming off six weeks, uh, we've had time to reflect, uh, time to regroup. And uh, do you want to lead us into the... Yeah, so I have, uh, just in general, about... I kind of want to just get pick your brain a little bit on uh, just podcasts in general. So what do you crave the most about a podcast? Not really necessarily our podcast, but a podcast in general. I You guys turned me on the podcasts. So the Back Pocket introduced me to podcasts. Previously, I had probably maybe listened to a handful, didn't really pay attention to it that much, and wasn't um, wasn't looking that as, as as a source for entertainment education uh, etc um, after the back pocket um, was launched uh, I started to look into it more and uh, because I had it I had the app I was able to access some other podcasts and so forth and I I love um, I love listening to the radio and um, but the radio these days is really they're very average. You know, it's littered it's, with commercials. It, it's com- get, like, you get commercials, two or, minutes of content, and then an yeah, ad. or or you get you get sort of this. You get you can go to the political view, you mm-hmm. know, and all that. You get sports, but it's just blah 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 blah. It's a lot of talking, a lot of talking, and they're always selling an Something. ad. You know, Something. either if, even if there's not a commercial, you they're they're always selling. You know, mm-hmm. you listen to Mike and Mike in the morning, and those guys eighteen hundred flowers, everything. You know, <laughs> Perky it's turkey. you know that you call in and it's whatever you know the. Uh, this the, the 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 line the direct line is like sponsored by somebody and yeah. so forth and Subway Fresh Take Hotline the Fresh Take Hotline you yeah. know <laughs> all that stuff I know so all. <laughs> it, it becomes annoying and, and and I'm not looking for that I want peace and quiet with it so podcasts offer the art of conversation what I'm looking for in a podcast is the art of conversation I do love the educational aspect of it um, so if you can find one that has the art of conversation plus you're learning some things that you would not have really uh, connected with um, otherwise I think a podcast can be really powerful and it's all that you can get from this radio kind of theme my dad grew up with the radio you know he told stories about sitting around and they listened to the radio for their entertainment right and I always thought that was pretty cool he became a huge Notre Dame fan because that was the only thing that was broadcast nationally and you would sit around the radio not the TV and uh, I'm all about heritage I really love to learn about my family heritage, about this country's heritage, about other countries' heritage and so forth, and tradition. And I just think that there was something about that time when I hear my dad uh, used to talk about that, that sitting around the radio just felt really special. So I love the radio, not the commercial end of it. Podcasts offer the same thing where I don't have to see a visual. I can just imagine and I can hear and listen and participate in this art of conversation. And I think in today's world, the art of conversation is something that is going to the wayside because of technology. Um, and I think um, human connection and human, you know, and having these conversations is, is really powerful. And you want to keep heritage going, you got to do it through a story, and you got to do it through a conversation. Yeah. And I think that's what podcast does a really good job, is using that technology and enabling the conversation again, and enabling, like, people to crave that human conversation and that dialect again, you know. That's right. Just something that wasn't... That's right. You're right. What you guys guys have been able to do 
you know, over what, 34? This is, well, this will be 36. Yeah. So 35 episodes in the first season. Um, that was, that's pretty ambitious. You probably could have broken that up into four seasons, you know? If you think about eight or ten episodes in a season, maybe, you know, mm-hmm. you're, you're, maybe you're starting your fourth season at this point and so forth. But, you, you know, you, you guys put 30, you produced four, 34 episodes. And I'm telling you, probably half of them, the last half, the last 17, I mean, talking about the art of conversation and the art of interviewing and getting people's opinions and so forth... I mean, you guys did a great job with that. You came out of nowhere with, I think, probably, you know, um, President Sullivan launched you and opened up doors for other, mm-hmm. um, you know, really smart people. I mean, I, I, I was super entertained when you guys were interviewing, um, you know, Triple D and uh, all the different, John Abram. Um, I mean, these are intelligent people um, and they're connecting with their students they're sharing, and you guys are interviewing, and the art of conversation is not only entertaining, but there was there was there were some educational things some in there. Good content, yeah. There was some really really good content, and they offered, you know, because that's that's perspective that I would never have connected with otherwise. You guys brought it to my world, mm-hmm. you know, and now you got to figure out how you can bring it to, to a lot more people's worlds. And you know? uh, one way we're doing that is we just rolled out a new website format, mm-hmm. same same domain. Yourbackpockets.com. Yeah, yourbackpockets.com. That's Y O U R. B A C K B O C K E T S dot com. Yeah, so pocket with a B with a P, not a B, but a yeah. pocket. Yeah, like you said, yes. yourbackpockets.com. Andrew did a phenomenal job uh, relaying that, uh, that out, so go check that out. It's mm-hmm. uh, very well done, and uh, cheers to you, Andrew, on that. Thank you. Um, so, like you kind of uh, picking your brain a little bit more on, you know, our podcast and why you started listening to it. Um, outside of the fact that Andrew's your son and mm-hmm. you got to support your man. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the original connection? That was the original connection. But what keeps you coming back? Because you listen to us talk all the time, and uh, some, and we listen to ourselves talk all the time, and, you know, we get sick of it sometimes. Yeah. But, like, what keeps you coming back? What's, what's, the, what's the grab? Yeah. I think you guys have got a little niche that is, um, it, to me, it is the simplicity of it is... Is, is really the key, and that is, you know, you think about what makes you average, and uh, and I love how you open up every um, episode with asking your your guest what makes you average, because a lot of them struggle with that question, and everybody answers it in a different way, because it's such a unique question, you know, and, and people don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. Everybody's thinking about how good they are, or a lot of times how bad they are, yes. right? You got anxiety. Um, and I, I think you guys had uh, one of one William of William Brendel. Yeah, Brendel was brilliant talking about you know this whole art of meditation and you know fear is when you're you know sort of thinking about things that uh, in the past in the past and then this anxiety is when you're thinking about the future instead of just staying in the moment and uh, so anyways trying to answer that question and listening to all those answers. Um, was it, it, it really? I craved it. You know, I, I I love that episode. I love the end when you talk about what did we learn, um, and I the, the unique kind of banter that you both have had going back and forth. Um, super educational, really looking focused on you know uh, Declan focused on um, facts. you know facts and 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 really something that you know I learned a couple things that you shared that I would not have known otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Andrew being a little bit more around the spirit and uh, sort of the emotional, um, you know, aspect of relationships and, and, and things, two unique perspectives. 
Um, and so anyways, I like how you have consistency and routine in the beginning and the end. And then, honestly, what I was always looking forward to is, I, I like I said, these last 17 um, you know, guests that you've had, um, whether it was a professor, somebody from the university, you know, the, the entire, um, you know, dance team, you know, all these different things. Because you know what? I mean, in my day, if I'm driving in the car and I'm listening to a podcast because I'm trying to, you know, allow, you know, some downtime and so forth, I want something to be enjoyable. And I, I would not connect with any of these people that you brought to the table unless I was listening. So I, I listened initially because of Andrew and as I got to know you, Declan, because uh, I was so proud of you guys. But then it became more about um, where are they going to take this? How are they going to evolve? How are they going to be become better as interviewers? How are they going to um, you know, get the most out of the hour that, that they're putting into it and so forth? And I, I really enjoyed the journey. I enjoyed seeing you guys grow. So I would like to take you back to the very first time you listened to podcast number one. And um, that was, that's coming up here in the one year and the end of this month. I came home after recording the first podcast and to, to watch Matthew swim. Mm-hmm. And we were sitting at the island at home listening, and you were cracking up. You, I had you and Mom laughing. I think you listened to 80% of it, and that was the one that we were just all over the place being complete knuckleheads. <laughs> and we were asking each other history questions, and, and we couldn't figure out the answers. Yeah, you had the... We um, didn't know on the Civil Your friends, your, your, the, the girl. Um, Mallory. Valentine's Day. Uh, Mallory. Mallory. Valentine's yeah. Day, yes. Yeah. And we were asking her questions. She was right. coming back at us right. with great right. questions. Right. Um, that was... It was awesome, but it was like totally just a couple goofballs figuring it out, and the process along which you've probably seen better than we have because we're just pushing out content right and we feel like we're getting better but we don't really know we don't know the evolution per se as an outside perspective yeah no one does only only our, our listeners do yeah and so. you being one of the first listeners who've listened to all of them that's pretty awesome yeah and the growth in that because when i market the show i tell them give podcast one a listen or give the last podcast a listen, but listen to both of them. Yeah. Because you'll see the growth and you'll see that this is this is something that you're going to want to stick to. Yeah. Because there's a lot more that could happen. It's, it, it means a lot more when you know where someone came from. and That's the heritage I was just talking about, right? Yeah. That's why it's so important to me. I want to know where my family came from. I want to know where this country came from. I want to know where, you know, that that history allows you to, and, and understanding that gives you appreciation, but then it also gives you perspective on where you're going. Yeah, you know? and I think that's something that we were able to draw out in a lot of people, too, is when we bring on a professor, yeah, they, it might be a John Abraham, who was a, who's now a nation-leading climate change scientist, but where did he start? Where was he, where was he, you know, when he was 22? And you know where he was? He was in Pamplona with the, running with the bulls and learning about experiences in life and what they had to offer. But you would have never tagged a John Abraham to do something like that unless he would have told us like like he did on the podcast right. and it, it, it just that sharing that story. sharing stories is, is it's so powerful guys I, where do you think you've grown the most just you the two of you or individually or as a team where do you think you've grown the most from episode 1 to episode 34 within the podcast the actual recording of the podcast we have become so comfortable with the theme of what we want to put out we are always trying to push out the same message um, and a continuous theme, um, and Declan and I have realized when to start talking, when to stop talking, how to interrupt a person, and allow that thought to actually come about, versus originally we were stepping on each other's toes, and 
push trying to get our voices heard where I think slowly we've progressed to the point where it's like he's rolling let him keep going I'm gonna hold my thought and and try to um, bring it all back together and inject in a way that people will seem it'll be fluent yeah we're I think what we've done the best at is learning how to talk to each other and have it being recorded and having it be something presentable so Andrew and I can have a conversation off off air and it could just be mumbo jumbo we're talking about something but when we hit record and being able to turn that into an artwork an art piece something that's like an actual craft that people listen to and actually can follow too so that's another thing that we're also still working on too is learning how to tell a story making it interesting making it funny and then also making it something that people can remember and actually understand what was going on and so that's something that i've seen us be able to grow another thing too is just timing and, you know, being people of just accountability and punctuality. So, like, before we ever started the podcast, we were, I mean, I wouldn't say we weren't punctual and we weren't accountable, but we weren't forced to do that. And when we started this, and it's like a pro bono, it's pro bono work. It's, pro bono. It's, uh, it's, you know, something that we want to do. For the for love fun. of the game. Mm-hmm. Right. It, what's your drive to show up when, and schedule an interview and do all this work to figure out when Andrew and I can record, when we can have an interview, and all this coordinating work. Like, we've gotten so much more efficient and better at that, and it's just helped us form us as, like, what the expectation is going forward, like like we were talking about earlier in the world, in the real world. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I, you know, a lot of what you guys just explained, I think, could be boiled down to, I think, your, the biggest part of your growth is you have become better listeners. And that is an art in the business world. As an engineer, as a business uh, man, wherever wherever you take your careers, trust me when I say that the art of listening will be the key to your success. And you became better interviewers and you had better flow um, and you had better connection with each other and with the people that you you, uh, invited to, uh, to be on the podcast because I felt like you got more comfortable with actually listening to the conversation and allowing that to... To, to control the day versus you, you have to have a plan going in. And in business, you have to have a plan going in. In life, you have to have a plan. But then the key is that you can evolve and you can change and you can adjust. And um, what do you guys call it? FOAG? FOAG, figure okay. it out, adjust, and go. That's and, and you can't do that without listening. You cannot do that without listening. Listening doesn't necessarily always mean... Um, you know, with the ears, it's, 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 it's being in the moment and it's not thinking about what you're going to say next. Right. It's, and it's, and it's really understanding that the art of conversation, which is how things get done in the world and is, is so powerful. It's not the talking, it's the listening. I got to become a better listener. That's one of my, uh, my, um, it's one of my goals for this year, um, is better listening in work and at home with my wife uh, now that we're empty nesters and so forth, um, it, it, I probably should have been doing this all, all the time, and that's why I'm giving you guys this, you know, this piece of advice now, and you'll 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 cherish it. I'm, I trust me, it'll show up in many different ways for you. But it is about listening because it's not about what you're about to say; it's really about what you're about to hear, and that's what keeps you in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that um, our marketing interns are experiencing that same um, atmosphere, attitude, where their listening is growing because all they're doing is listening to us, and hopefully. We are um, have an environment, have a hour long um, experience with our marketing interns where they're listening to us and they're enjoying it, and it's not like a getaway from what else they're doing, but it's like an enhancement. Yeah. Whatever they're doing right now, we're hoping we enhance that moment for them because they're either having a laugh 
with us or they hear a golden nugget and they appreciate um, whatever William Brendel mentioned in his interview or Triple D, Dr. Dean Don Weinkoff uh, mentioned in his interview. Something like that. They're, we're just hoping we enhance that experience for them. Yeah. Hey, I got a quick shout out for Triple D. Um, I, I, unbelievable. But I'm on this past Friday, I'm sitting in my dentist chair. Uh, great guy, Joe Thornhill, Dr. Joe Thornhill. Um, his daughter, um, Lauren, played softball here at the University of St. Thomas, so we have that connection. We knew each other before that and so forth, but we just happened to have that connection. Um, but he was saying how wonderful she's already graduated and um, really having a blossoming career and so forth, an engineer, and she graduated from the engineering department. She was looking at Madison, Purdue, Illinois, and St. Thomas engineering schools. All right, And he was telling me why she picked here, and he was so happy that it happened out that happened that way because you know Madison, Purdue, Illinois, Big Ten schools, known for engineering, known for engineering, and so forth. It was because of Triple D. Um, they came on campus and they've done this in every campus. They all they wanted to do is have a conversation with somebody in the department, and not only did they get have a conversation in the department, but they got it with Triple D. And and Triple D, I don't know if you're out there listening, but Lauren Thornhill, she goes as LT. Um, <laughs> And, and her father, Dr. Joe Thornhill, um, you sold him on, on, on this university because you were willing, at your level, to take time to have a conversation with a young lady who was trying to figure out what was the next best move for her life and her you know, career and her education. And it was that conversation that brought her to this university. And it really is a symbol for what I think the University of St. Thomas stands for. Um, it is so more meaningful than having some plaque on a board and some prestigious award and accolades and so forth. And you go to Madison, great school, but they wanted nothing to do with Lauren. They'll take her money, mm-hmm. but they didn't want to have that conversation. It was up to her to make the decision. Triple D, you helped her make that decision by taking the time. And again, he probably listened. He probably took him a little bit extra time, but that's powerful. That changed her life. Right, and I'm sure along the way you guys are going to see the same things, and you've already seen it in your your your, your young journeys now. Um, and it is because of conversation, relationships, connections, um, and taking advantage of it. Let's move on to the final questions. Mm-hmm. Um, this is we're going to do something different here. We're either going to do a bar story, which we didn't get to. This is new post your interview. Um, so a bar story, something that describes yourself when you're just sitting next to someone after a Friday and it's the weekend and you just want to tell your story to someone next to you. Or we can go this route, and this is a new one that Declan just put in there. I like this a lot. What is a st- It kind of is similar, but it's got a different feel to it. What is the story that makes that it makes you the man today? What is the story that made you the man that you are today? You. You're Lauren Thornville. You're LT. Yeah, exactly. That. So, like... Uh, Triple D and had an impact, and she mm-hmm. was able to. Yeah. Do that was an alleged statement. I'm, yeah. I'm sure Lauren has a a great story. Maybe we get her on at some point. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, that wouldn't, a, that wouldn't be a bad idea. Um, so I guess that's a lot to I take in. But pick and choose. What do you want to do? Tell, yeah, tell a story. Roll the dice. <laughs> you get to tell a story. Uh, you guys pick. What's uh, What's a story that makes had, has the man made York you today. the man in New York today? Yeah. Uh, that's a, you know, there's been pivotal moments in my in my life. Um, and I think that um, it would be hard to narrow it down to one, uh, but let's say I'll share I'll share one of the one of the many. Um, and you know, I grew up with a very tight knit, close knit, loving family. Um, six brothers and sisters. There were seven of us. We we're all within nine years of each other, so we were on top of each other. The kitchen table was the most important part of the day, and the um, conversation that happened in our family around a family meal 
was, you know, as I look back, was 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 really impactful. Um, so when I got into the restaurant business and I wanted to launch, I, so I was with Ritz Carlton for eight years, and um, I um, I left Ritz Carlton to go and open a restaurant with my cousin up in Seattle, and we got that going, and we realized it really wasn't going to be able to support both of our families. Um, so he took it. I moved back to Chicago, and I opened my own restaurant, and that was really. Taking that move, and I and I and I had my own restaurants. I had three of them in total for um, just under ten years, um, and it was the hardest, absolutely the hardest thing that I've ever done in my career. Um, and it was not successful from a financial standpoint at the end. Um, so um, I know now that. Having done that and going through that exercise, an entrepreneur trying to do it on my own, trying to, to, to bring a vision alive and so forth, I know that it didn't work out financially the way it was supposed to, but it was brilliant in terms of what it taught me and what it, what, 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 how it helped me prioritize what was important in my life. Uh, because at, that, at, at one point, I was having you know, Patrick opening a restaurant. Andrew was born opening a restaurant. Matthew was born opening a restaurant. So that was an intense period in our in our marriage, um, and our life, um, and um, and I realized what was the most important thing to me, and it was family because I remember that kitchen table. I remember how important that was, and what the, how that set me up, and I made some decisions over those ten years while I was a, an entrepreneur and a, and, a, and, a, and a sole proprietor. I made some decisions to reverse and change my career, knowing that I was not that that. Was part of it was not going to be my priority. My family was my priority. I had enough talent and enough bandwidth to be able to expand upon it and and accepting, being able to accept that I did not succeed in this venture that I that I that I that I and, and this company that I built. And I and I, um, you know, that could that could be that was a make or break time in my life um, because I could have looked at myself as a failure or I could look at myself as a success from other ways. Mm-hmm. And I realized the learning part of it was a success. So I would say the defining moment for me was um, knowing that I was not going to be successful after investing eight years, ten, almost 10 years into, into this business and I was going to have to close it, um, knowing that that was still, there was still success in that and accepting that, you know, in failure, um, there is there is a lot to learn, yeah. um, and it, so really failure is not failure. You know, failure is actually when you when you when I, when I realize how I could approach that, and it was brilliant for me. So post my own businesses, I've had an incredible career, um, and I think that uh, I think that you know I, I I might not have been able to go down that path had I not taken a chance, and you know I had plenty of successes with it, but it did at the end of the day it did it did not. It did not make it. It wasn't gonna, you know, wasn't gonna be the best for my family. It wasn't gonna be the best financially and so forth. So um, I was, I was, I, I became good with that. That that helped me with my confidence in, in many ways to, to do the things that I'm doing today. Awesome. I think that's phenomenal that you can sit here and tell us and our marketing interns and everyone that the story that you just told of failing, literally failing, is the reason you are that today and that the success that you have is from your failures. And I think that is such a good lesson to learn and such a good reason to just, you know, live in the moment and do everything that you want to do. Yeah. Because you, even if you fail... If you, go, if you guys go and research some of the most iconic, um, you know, leaders in our, um, in, our, in our lifetime and past and so forth, I guarantee you that they all experience levels of adversity and failure 
that made them the men and the women today mm -hmm. um, to become the dynamic leaders that they are um, because there's so much to learn in that. But I'll tell you, there's probably a lot of people also that got sucked into that failure and, you know, were not able to blossom because um, it, 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 yeah, it overtook them. Um, you know, I, I had three kids at the time and I had a wife and I had responsibilities and I, failure was not an option, yeah. but I was failing. So I had to figure that out and I could not miss a beat because I had responsibilities to myself, to, to others, to my family. And, um, you know what, um, that, that level of hard work, um, was, it was so educational. Um, I, you know, I, I, I'm thankful that I had, uh, the desire to try it. Mm -hmm. Take risks is all I'm going to say. Don't be afraid to take some risks. Don't be afraid of failure. Um, in failure, you know, there is incredible growth. I think you guys have seen that through the world of sports and through, you know, just your, your, your life here at UST with, and in this podcast, we're a, we're a trial and error podcast. You guys, are, I think, I think, I think right now you're probably thinking, okay, what am I going to do with this podcast? What, what well, is season two going to mean? The only way we've gotten to what we have done was because we couldn't figure, so we failed at something. We couldn't, we failed at getting on iTunes and then we figured it out. Yeah. We failed at, um, beating, um, on a week to week basis. Then we figured it out. Like we, the many minuscule failures and we quickly realized these got, this has got to be better. Figure it out. That's right. That's it. Yeah. It's good. Mm -hmm. Well, so. uh, thank you very much. Um, and finishing up with our final question, right? Yes, one, absolutely. One, one question? Yes, no. of course. And it is our favorite question, one of our favorite questions. Mm -hmm. And it is from the time you woke up till the time you're here with us today. Um, what did you learn today? Uh, I learned a couple of things. Um, Tom Sparrow is one of the coolest guys around. Stayed out of his house last night because we're here in... Uh, the, the Twin Cities, and there are no, there's no room at the inn because of the Super Bowl. Um, so they opened their doors to um, three couples. Uh, the Amex, uh, Eboshers, and the Inceras stayed with the Sparrows. And Tom is one of the coolest, co coolest dudes around, man. He's a cool cat, and he's a great cook. And he had a great little breakfast for us this morning. And to, to, to think of Tom and who he is and his whole persona, that he is an artist in the kitchen, is just super cool. Yeah. And his little egg dish, Tom, was unbelievable. So flavorful. Um, I learned that my family laughs at me because I order appetizers for breakfast because i gotta have these got to have these cornbread pancakes <laughs> in addition to all the other food that we're eating, but we got to have that. And today they were busting me saying, Dad, you're always ordering this stuff and we're always full. And I'm like, but you got to taste, you know, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who orders appetizers for breakfast? Nobody does. But we do. You know what? We do. I do. So I learned that, 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 that the family makes fun of me, and, that, and, that, and that's super cool. Yeah, we um, might have to have you on for uh, a third time and just talking about the art of ordering appetizers and, and possibly Steelers football. I Personally, I think uh, the story that made you the man you are today was uh, Steelers Super Bowl, Santonio Holmes, uh, two feet in bounce, touchdown <laughs> to win the Super Bowl. I thought that was going to be your go-to story. <laughs> Hey, there's been a lot of <laughs> lot of instrumental, influential Steeler moments in my life, yeah. um, but um, they're 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 for the they're for a different side of me, you know. Of course, and, yeah. Uh, but yeah, love the Roonies, love what the Roonies stand for. Um, so, hey, I wish you guys good luck. Um, I'm really proud of what you've accomplished in this first season, and as you venture into the second season, and you're not sure what that journey is going to look like because none of us always know what that path is going to be, and so forth. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. Uh, continue to blaze a trail um, and and take chances and take risks. Commit to this. Commit to your second season. 
sit down and, and say to yourselves, what, are, what is the purpose for the second season, and what do we want to try to get out of it? Maybe the second season is going to be the last season. Maybe the second season is going to be the launch to something greater. Maybe the second season is going to influence and change somebody's life in some way, shape, or form. Think about what that purpose is going to be. Put a little map together, um, and then don't be afraid to veer off the map if, 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 if necessary, knowing that at the end it should all come back to that purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, proud of, I'm proud of what you guys have accomplished. And um, I think uh, Kriege uh, mentioned to you guys um, at the end of last season uh, to lean in, uh, lean on your family. You know, because he went through the same transition. You guys asked him about the transition from from college to uh, to the professional world and so forth. And I think that's what he he shared with you guys. And I, I would echo that. Um, and I will. I'm here to tell you today that if you want to keep this podcast going and you need funding to keep this podcast going, there are ways, very very creative ways, including your family, that can help you keep this thing going. If it, if you think that there is a business end to it in the future, um, that's you know. Ed, Ed, Ed Starles co-signing a loan for me so I could get a car. You know, Triple D ha- saying I'm going to take some time to have a conversation with LT so she might come to come to the university and so forth. There, those things, those opportunities are there, mm-hmm. um, and um, you don't know it at this point, but they're there. And and uh, and so if you want to take a chance on it, you know, just just uh, just know that there's people out there that can support. It. There's there's ways for it to be funded. I know you got to make a living, so. Uh, it's, it's it's not easy to just be fun and games, but there's there's a business case to all this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only other thing I wanted to share was I thought it was really interesting that I, I know I'm talking too much, uh, <laughs> but I thought it was really interesting that as an engineer, you sort of do the marketing end, <laughs> and as a business person, you sort of do the engineering side of the podcast. Of the podcast. Yeah, super cool how dynamic you guys are together, taking advantage of each other's talents, and I think expanding each other's talents um, and bandwidth. So. Uh, congratulations, you guys. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're never talking too long. We <laughs> love the conversation. We love the story. Thank you, John and Sarah. We look forward to having you on later. And uh, thank, you, thank you and embrace the grind. Absolutely. Roll Toms. So that was the interview with uh, my father. Uh, we checked out that he ended up was not sweating. Yeah, the, on the, the sweat scale, he was actually not sweating. Yeah, so. or not as significant as uh, it was presumed. Yeah, so we thought he was like full-on sweat, mm-hmm. um, and he was not sweating. So that is the check-in on John and Sarah's sweat situation. Sweat pedometer? Sweat status? Sweat status. Sweat status. Mm-hmm. We should just call him sometimes and just be like, Hey, uh, John, it's the guys from the back pocket. Just wanted to know how much you were sweating today. Yeah. <laughs> Was it a sweaty day? We'll be like, boys, 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 boys. <laughs> I am horrendous right now. <laughs> I would love that. Um, well, all in all, hope you guys enjoyed. I know we, we absolutely enjoyed. Thank you, Dad. Um, hopefully we can have you on again because you are officially a recurring guest. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, now we're going to kick it to the back end. I know um, we love this portion, yep. so I hope you guys equally love this portion, if not more than we do, yeah. which would be hard. It would be very hard. Yeah. No one really can uh, uh, outpassion us yeah. uh, as on far the back as end. The, on the back end, uh, because not as many people get to the back end. Mm-hmm. I think we're the only ones that really experience the back end, because we're the ones giving the back end. Yeah. But... Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a blast. It's a blast. I love it. Uh, let's start it off. Uh, what did you learn? Uh-huh. And uh, Declan, would you care to uh, um, lighten, enlighten our, uh, our marketing interns? Yeah, so what I learned today is uh, blood, you know, what goes through your body, uh, comes from your heart, is a non-Newtonian fluid. So a Newtonian fluid, what is that? Mm-hmm. A Newtonian yes. fluid is water, any sort of like normal fluid that you would uh, see in everyday life. It um, has, it. it's like a shear, there's like a shear curve. Um, that, uh, 
God, how do I explain this? Okay, so if you apply force to water, the water moves in a linear fashion. And the water's volume, contents, everything in the water stays as water as you push water through, like a water faucet or a hose, a gardening hose, watering the flowers. For blood, the faster you push blood, the thinner it becomes. Changes its contents as you you, uh, push it through your body. So that's what I learned, is that... Uh, and they call that sheer thinning. So there's, even though they're both liquids, even blood thins out, water stays the same. Yeah, and so the properties associated with blood and how you model blood and how you uh, study blood is completely different than water. So when you're bleeding and uh, like blood clot, you have a blood clot and everything mm-hmm. that all gets treated then like if you were to spill water on the ground, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just a little quinky dink. Yeah. So you can go and tell your friends, you know, at the watering hub and be like oh is that water there nice that's a really good newtonian fluid and then see how they react mm. hey they both have iron in them yeah i know that allegedly and one they're both blue at some point <laughs> at some point yeah i yeah i think you're right what it's blue in your skin right yeah i think i think that's what the color I guess water's is clear but water's clear but the reflection <laughs> of the reason the water looks blue is because the reflection of the, of the sky which mm. is blue so. yes of course yeah um, thank can't, you Declan yeah can't forget that absolutely um, what did I learn I think I'm going to just reinforce what our mission statement is um, it just has to be talked about again I really hope this hits home talking story that's what I learned through in Hawaii and I want you guys to learn it um, it's awesome it, like when you and it's not the idea of it is awesome because a lot of people like just today when we were at um, homie talking with Phil and um, his co-workers before we even got down to business, there was the idea of talking story, and some people could be turned off by it because you're on a schedule, you're trying to hit home everything you're trying to do, you're very monochronic, as some people would say. Ooh, what's that? That might be something. Monochronic is someone that is um, t- very time-oriented, and they need everything scheduled out, versus being polychronic. But polychronic is when you um, have the idea of a free-flowing day. It doesn't necessarily need to it be ebbs scheduled. And flows, ebbs and flows. You don't need to schedule goes. every single thing. Okay. Um, so we're so a polychronic podcast. Try to be. Okay. Um, and we're a monochronic society. The American civilization is monochronic. Maybe the, that's our mission statement: a poly, polychronic podcast in a monochronic society. Absolutely. You know, <laughs> just pushing out content, <laughs> giving and taking, <laughs> well, strikes and gutters, strikes and gutters. Um, so. Through this experience um, with Phil, I truly, again, was able to recognize talking story. And I think this transitions perfectly to where I want to lead in to our feel-good story. Because our experience with Homie, uh, Phil, who's the CEO of Homie, we've had on the podcast. What is Homie, by the way? Let's go ahead and give a little... Yeah, give him the rundown. Uh, So Homie, it's called Homie.io. You can uh, type that into your Safari or web browser. Um, It works to connect students and alumni of that um, of said university. Mm. Um, and the, the idea is to create relationships um, that are professional but are not in the professional sense that everyone usually thinks where you're shaking hands, being very professional, and just like very uptight and, you know, not really talking about anything. Homie really aims to, uh, you know, just create relationships and just create genuine ones, more importantly, um, and just find people with similar interests and bring them together. And from that uh, can come jobs. So it, the goal is not necessarily to create jobs, um, but it's definitely to create relationships that can lead to long-lasting jobs and long-lasting relationships. Absolutely. So I highly recommend going on to homie.io and create your account today. And That's link. H-O-M-I 
Humans.io. Yeah. What is uh, Humans of Our Institution? No. Of my institution. Homie, humans of my institution. That's what Homie stands for. Anyways, mm-hmm. Homie.io. Go click on it. Get and, after it. And uh, the Back Pocket is partnered up with them to do some really cool things. Um, we're not going to get any specifics right now, but I just want to let you know that uh, the Back Pocket and Homie are out, are out to seek great things together. That's right. And uh, it's a phenomenal relationship. It's a give-and-take relationship. It's a polychronic relationship. Is that the right sense of the word? Yeah, we appreciate each other's time. Yeah, we appreciate each other's time. We talk story. Phil's a great guy. Um, and, you know, I think the the biggest the biggest thing that comes out of, like, our relationship is strictly the, you know, the uh, just the give and take of all of it. Like, we just enjoy each other's presence. We're truly friends. We, we're helping each other out. We're helping each other out, and we're growing together. And I think uh, that's one thing that people sort of miss sometimes in a business relationship is, you come to someone originally because you want something from them and they want something from you and it's strictly just that. But what um, Homie is trying to change is like there's a lot more to that and there's a lot more personality to each uh, relationship as you go through. So what I challenge the marketing interns this week and what our feel-good story is specifically about is, you know, like John and Sarah said, listen to people. That's going to help a ton. But at the same time, you know, Enjoy enjoy the relationships that you have, and really, you know, take it take some time to actually uh, make them meaningful, and they're gonna have they're gonna pay you dividends in, at at the end of the day. Anything else to add from that? That's phenomenal. I think that's a perfect way to end this uh, yeah. podcast. Podcast two of season two. Yep. Uh, two point two, maybe. Maybe then tomorrow next week's uh, two point three. Stay tuned for that one. Um, and. Yeah, we will see you guys later. Make the most of those relationships, and uh, we'll be here to give you some more gold nuggets next week. Uh, So, take care, and I love you guys. Take care.